brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is in your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. And amen. You may be seated this morning. Praise God. Um, Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. I am excited to be here with you today. My name is Jill Rice, and I am the Director of Ministries. Um, Last week, man, it was really awesome. Brill did a wonderful job talking with us about God's role in our salvation, that he chooses us um, before we ever believe in him, right? That he knows beforehand and, and chooses us. Right? And on the surface, that might feel unfair, like maybe some people are in and some people are out. Uh, I was thinking maybe that feels even a little bit like middle school all over again. <laughs> um, and I don't know about you, but for middle school, for me, it was a bit rough, right? Uh, I was an only child, and even as an adult, I can still be a little bit awkward, and I was definitely at my peak awkwardness in middle school. Um, And I just wanted to fit in really badly, right? I wanted to be liked by my peers. Um, And that's pretty normal for a middle schooler, right? Um, But unfortunately, the odds were just not in my favor. (laughs) They were not in my favor, y'all. I had glasses at the time, and I didn't know how to do my hair. It was just, I had no sense of style. Um, Anyway, I remember sitting in math class one day, and someone that I thought had been my friend since, since like, first grade passed me this note telling me just how weird I was and (laughs) that nobody really liked me, (laughs) and it just, like, crushed my my seventh grade heart. (laughs) And uh, the rest of that year, like, the girls in my class, they were whispering behind my back and, you know, just all kinds of awful things and trying to avoid me at all costs. And I was pretty distraught. I didn't understand the rules of middle school. I didn't understand who got to be in and who got to be out. Um, I just didn't get it. But let me tell you, friends, I'm really proud of you guys. I'm proud that, uh, as Brel was talking through Romans 9 last week, and it was a really difficult passage, that you went back to your community groups, you engaged in our online campus, um, in conversations with friends and families, just around what it means for God to choose us and to have mercy on us. 
Um, I've seen some of those conversations. I've heard some of your conversations. And man, it, was, it was amazing to be a part of that. And what would have been an unfair choice if people made it, we know it was actually full of mercy and grace when a perfect and holy God makes it and chooses us. Right? And it may still feel like a hard truth to sit with and wrestle with at times, but I want to let you know that like, we're going to continue to walk through those things together. And while Romans 9 tells us that God chooses us, Romans 10 that we're studying today tells us that we choose God. Well, right, which is it? Um, can it be both, right? Our culture puts a really high value on absolute truths and scientific truths and being able to figure things out, absolutely for sure. And when we encounter passages like Romans 9 followed by Romans 10, we often struggle because we just don't have quite the same framework to account for the mystery of God. We like to play the role of God sometimes in our lives and believe that we have to have the supreme control and have to know all or should be able to know all about what's going on and be able to explain it. And it's hard for us sometimes to sit in that place that requires us to believe something and accept that multiple things can be true at the same time, even if they feel contradictory and even if we just don't fully understand it. Um, Verl did a great job of explaining this last week. He, he explained how uh, there was a situation in their house where he had to remove all of the electronics from their home. And after explaining some of the why behind it to his daughter, she said to him that she didn't really understand it still, but she was able to trust him. Right? And we have to come with that same attitude and submission to our Heavenly Father. I don't always understand, God, because like you are God. But... You are my heavenly God and my Father, and so I can trust you. So today, we're going to talk a little bit more about our role in salvation. So last week, we talked about God's role. This week, we're going to talk about our role. Our role. And I know several of us, um, people have struggled with this, right? One of the enemy's favorite paths to take us down is uh, helping us doubt our salvation, right? Having really struggled with this, right? Are we even worth God saving? Some of us have really wrestled with these questions. Today, we're going to explore, um, do we get to choose our salvation? We're also going to discuss, can we be secure in our salvation? And have I or someone that I love just gone too far or messed up too much for God to save us, for us to choose salvation? So let's start with this. My way just isn't working. <laughs> I wish someone would have given me a dummy's guide to middle school. Like, seriously. I just wish and wanted a step-by-step -step guide to how to make friends and influence people. If I had known that Dale Carnegie existed in middle school, I, I probably would have been uh, able to manage it much better. And maybe not. Like... <laughs> But I thought if I could get the right haircut, if I wore the right clothes, if I played the right sport, surely there had to be some way for me to fit in. Well, the Israelites, see, they thought they had the step-by-step -step guide to be in right standing with God. So he had given them the law after all. And in our passage today, verse 3 says this. It says, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. 
refusing to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Now, you, you might be like me. You were a bit confused when you first read that verse. Didn't God give them the law? <laughs> right? Like, isn't the law God's way? It seems kind of like a bait and switch going on here. Yes, God did provide the people with the law, but its purpose was never for the people to be able to earn their way into God's presence. God told them from the beginning that they wouldn't and they couldn't do that. He warned them that his mercy and kindness um, are what elected them to be his people. It was because of God that they were God's people, not because of what they were doing. Because they were his people, they should reflect his righteousness by living in a way that reflects God's character, aka they should be able to live out the law. So let me explain it this way. The goal here is to be in right standing with God. If we go back to Romans 8, 19 19 through 23, we remember that it says that all of creation is groaning for God to set the world right again. We know that creation knows that things aren't as they should be, right? We just have this thing inside of us that says this isn't right. The goal is right standing with God. The goal is that God is going to make all things new again. See, none of us knew that, but the Israelites did know the goal. So as, they had, as we had talked about last week, God had chose to reveal himself to the Israelites. He revealed this gap. Everyone else living on the earth didn't see the gap. They didn't even know that the goal existed, right? In Romans 1, 18 and 19, they says that we're living in the darkness. We didn't see the gap and we didn't realize the goal, but the Israelites did. Since the Israelites knew the goal was right standing with God, he gave them the law to understand and help them live out their calling. The law pointed them towards the goal, but it also emphasized Israel could never reach the goal. It was Israel's mountain, right? It was this thing in place that was going to prevent them from getting to God because they were going to try and climb the mountain and do things on their own, but they couldn't get there. The plan was never for them to climb the mountain to be with God, but Israel was determined. We have plenty of people today that are like Israel. See, I was one of them for a long time, and sometimes I'm still like Israel. I grew up in the church, and I was good at memorizing things, and I shouldn't do, and what I should do, and if you were to give me like a Bible knowledge test, I could probably answer a whole bunch of questions for you and knock them off real quick, but answering questions aren't quite what God wants from us, right? What would please God and what wouldn't? So I set out to do these things. If I volunteered enough, maybe. If I gave enough. If I sacrificed enough. See, sometimes I still get caught up in this. Like, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I'm not quite good enough, so maybe I need to do a little bit more. Maybe if I do a little bit more, I'll be worthy of being loved by God. Perhaps that would make up for the times that I yelled at my mom, (laughs) that I let my friends down because I didn't keep my word, I didn't do what I said I was going to (laughs) do. Maybe the times that I was the person that snubbed the weird person. (laughs) See, sometimes we're just in that place where the mountain is in the way but we think we can still climb it. 
That it's not just people that grow up in the church that might try to get things right with God their own way. Every major religion in the world, besides Christianity, prescribes to this kind of same formula, right? Do this and get the end goal. Whether it's pray this many times a day, subscribe to these same rules, it's eat this way, whatever it is, it's do this, get this goal. Even the nuns and duns, the people who have decided that they don't believe in anything or just are done with church and faith and religion, have also tried to just do things their own way. See, religion says, I obey, therefore I will be accepted. But the gospel says, I am accepted, therefore I will obey. Religion is, I obey, therefore I am accepted. The gospel says, I am accepted, therefore I will obey. Jesus spent his whole ministry addressing this issue with the religious rulers of his time. They wanted to trick him in some way to say that the law was what would save you. And so they'd have all these conversations trying to trick them. They had one about like, hey, if you, uh, if you see your followers broke off some grains of, of wheat and are eating them on the Sabbath, they're breaking the law. Try to trick them into saying that the law is more important. It's what needs to be followed. We even see, we love to see, we love to talk about this one. We see Jesus in the temple. And he gets angry and upset. And he's knocking over tables in the temple. We say, even Jesus gets upset. He's angry. <laughs> Sometimes we forget who he's angry at. He's angry at the people who are leading the worship in the temple. He's upset with them because they've missed the point. Right? We see Jesus call them a brood of vipers. He's wept over Jerusalem. They're missing the thing that was right in front of them. How often have we overlooked God because of our self-righteousness? Because we just have to do it our own way. If I work a little bit harder, I think I can get it. We have to make it complicated. But here's the thing. His way really is the only way. My friends, I have to tell you, here's the thing, I love this. Salvation is so much easier than figuring out middle school. Got some good news for you. <laughs> All right, some of y'all are middle school parents right now, and you, you know, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just, see, Jesus is just not that hard to find. Verse five and seven tell us that we don't have to scale mountains or explore the deep, darkest places of the world to find God. Jesus did all that work for us. He knew we couldn't climb the mountain to obtain right standing with God. So in Romans 3.23, it says, for everyone sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standard. God, knowing that we couldn't climb the mountain, came down the mountain to be with us. He knew we couldn't overcome the punishment of our sins either, right? He knew that we couldn't overcome death. Romans also tells us that the wages of sin is death. So he went down in that valley for us too. He overcame death and he got up out of the grave, right? He did what we could not do. When we didn't know we needed him and we couldn't pursue him, he chose us and he came to us. 
Verse eight says that the message is very close at hand. It's as close as your lips and your heart. And that message is the very message that we, about faith that we preach. God is accessible through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. So what's our part? Once you know you need right standing with God, you can never achieve it on your own, and you've heard the good news of Jesus, all you have to do is respond. All you gotta do is turn around and see that he's there. Verse nine and 10 tell us what responding means. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Sometimes we get tripped up here. We think the moon and the stars have to align just right for us to make this decision, right? We have to say just the right words. The right people have to be present. (laughs) How quickly we make responding to God about ourselves, though. Did I respond to God good enough? (laughs) to earn salvation. Fam, I have to tell you, the answer is no. (laughs) You can't respond good, like, you can't do it well enough to be with God. That's not the point. Our salvation doesn't depend on anything that we do or the words that we say. It's simply our response that we need his redemption. Get this, fam, he does all the work. He takes us right on over the mountain to be in right standing with God. When we begin with accepting our need for a savior, our obedience is sourced differently. Remember, we said that religion is I obey, therefore I am accepted, but the gospel is I am accepted, therefore I obey. Right? Paul clearly states in verse 12 that the way to right standing with God is available to everyone. I love this. The path is singular, but it's open to everyone. Right? The path is singular. There's only one way, but it's open to everyone. He doesn't prioritize this people and the kingdom based on ethnicity and gender and class and leadership roles and culture. Everyone enters through the same means, and it's available to everyone. See, Jesus came and lived and ministered primarily to the Jewish people, but even so, he pushed those Jewish boundaries of who gets to be included in the kingdom. See, we see Jesus at the well um, trying to get some water in the middle of the day, and he's having a conversation with the Samaritan woman, and it's a deep theological discussion. But she was an ethnic outcast and a woman. You may have heard us say this before, but... Jewish men in Jesus' day had this prayer that they would start their morning with, and it went something like, thank you, God, I'm not a woman. You might be laughing, but it's true. (laughs) It's not true that they should say it, but it's true that they did say it. Um, But Jesus pushed those boundaries of who gets to be included in the kingdom. He up turned upside down those rules. See, Jesus welcomes women and he welcomes children. He welcomes cheaters and prostitutes, Roman citizens, anyone that was willing to see their need for a savior 
and believe that Jesus was the Son of Man, right? Galatians 3.28 tells us that there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now let's talk a moment about have I gone too far. Many of us get stuck in this place with God. There's no way that God could overcome my past if you only knew what I'd done. Have you ever struggled with that thought? Or maybe this one. Once, once I get my life together, I'll come to Jesus. I just need to get it cleaned up a little bit. He'd like me cleaned up first. Right? <laughs> and this is one of the reasons I love the Bible so much, y'all. It's filled with people that are just as messed up, if not more, than we are. And God still chooses them and uses them for his glory. See, Paul, the guy that we have been studying that wrote this letter, and his life is full of mistakes, right? He was literally hunting down Christians, would prosecute them and have them stoned to death when Jesus got a hold of his life, right? And then later he says this about himself in another letter that he wrote. It says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Friend, if you're struggling with that, one, please memorize this verse. Store it in your heart. And if you believe you're the worst sinner, that's fine. Go ahead and believe that. All the more praise and glory to God because he is still able to save you and transform your life. Right? You are not too much for God to handle. <laughs> that is his promise. You are not too much for God to handle. Now that we're clear on the fact that our way is never going to work, God's way is the only way for us, and it's for everyone, I want to take us back to our first verse. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Paul knew that the gospel was for everyone, but that God's people would struggle the most to receive it. They would insist on trying to climb that mountain themselves and fail repeatedly. Perhaps that's you today. You've tried to be good enough on your own. You've continued to seek God's approval and earning your own way. It's time to step off that mountain and trust in Jesus. Right? When we do, he makes us so many promises. He promises to save us. He's generous. He's trustworthy. He's more than able. He's easy to find and he's available to everyone. It doesn't matter what your story is or has been or will be. God has known every one of your days from before you were born. There's nothing that you can do that's going to make God love you more and there's nothing that you can do that's going to make him love you any less. My invitation for you today is to rest in the promise that God cares for you and has made a way for you. 
Stop believing the lie that you need to work a little harder. Fix one more thing in your life. It's exhausting. Step off that mountain. Maybe you don't need to step off the mountain. Maybe you need to stop hiding in shame because of your past. Do you think you, of all people in all history, have somehow committed some crime and some sin that God couldn't forgive? That Jesus' sacrifice must not be enough for you? God already knows, and Jesus is standing before you. All you gotta do is turn around. He's ready to wipe the dirt and the mud off of your life. He's ready to clean you up. He's as close as your mouth and your heart. If you're ready to respond to Jesus today, let today be your day. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in a moment, and you can pray with me, and it's not the special words that are gonna save you but speaking to God from your heart to let him know what you know to be true about him, that you put your faith in him. And if you do that today, we want to celebrate with you. Let us know. Text CONNECT to 785-432-4544 or meet us at the back of the room after service at the black tables. We'd love to hear from you because we want to be able to walk alongside you, celebrate with you, and connect you with a community of believers. Let's pray together. God, we praise your name. Thank you so much for sending your son so we didn't have to climb the mountain anymore and we couldn't do the work of overcoming death. God, thank you for your son Jesus that did those things for us in our place when we didn't know we needed it and we couldn't do enough to deserve it. God, thank you for loving us so much that there's nothing that I'm gonna do that is gonna make you love me more. I don't have to keep working for that. God, thank you for making me sure that there's nothing that I'm gonna do that's gonna make you love me less. Father, we submit our lives to you. Use us how you see fit. God, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen.